They are innovators, visionaries, people pushing themselves, moving us all forward. They are architects, artists, teachers, builders, designers, dreamers, and doers. They are changemakers at USGBC. So we're here in San Diego at Convergence、uh, for a special edition of Changemakers, and I'm joined by two very impressive people. Jeremy Hayes is the executive director for Green for All, and Eva Blake is a senior director of Green Initiatives for Youthville USA. So let's start off with this word that means many things to many people: green. U.S. Green Building Council, Green for All, senior director of Green, green. Initiatives. Some people feel this term has been so washed; it's lost all color and meaning. What can we do about that? Well, I'm not sure. I mean, I think I, I'm not sure that it's lost meaning. Or I haven't experienced that same thing myself. We're pretty clear about what we mean when we say green for all. We're really talking about the benefits of. You know, a 21st century clean and healthy economy, right? So when we talk about green for all, we're talking about health outcomes, we're talking about wealth and opportunity, right? As well as just protecting the natural environment. So that it, it's all that stuff to us, but it's very much a positive and、uh, meaningful. You know, not a cheap, easy to attain, glossed over, you know, greenwash type of you know approach to us. Well, I have appreciated the different definitions of green over time. Particularly,、um, it's been interesting to compare green collar with green, yeah, and、right. what the differences there、right. obviously is the addition of not just benefiting the environment, but good for the people, good for the economy, and good for all life on Earth.、Um, and I think most people know when we say green that you're talking about protecting the environment. But for me, what it needs where it needs clarification is that people have historically thought of people and the environment as two separate things, and so green being over here and people being over here. Where I like to say to youth build students, where is the separation? Of you in the environment, right? Isn't your body an environment? There、right. are bacteria and、yeah. viruses. Your cell walls bring in water and blood. We inhale oxygen. There is really no separation. Right. We're just one animal on the planet.、Yep. Now a lot of people don't like to think of humans as being animals, <laughs> <laughs> so maybe we're a special type of animal, but we are all part of the web of life of on this planet. And so, when I say green, I basically mean anything that is acting on behalf of protecting the health and well-being of all life. But also, another point would be, green is kind of a funny color to have chosen for the movement、yeah. because number one, if you look at the Earth from space, there's more blue than green.、Yeah. So、And、you would have named it blue. Maybe blue. Uh, but then we'd have blue collar jobs, which wouldn't we already, wouldn't, would, we already yeah, got those sort of some still. Now, how about the rainbow? Because the Earth and all of the diversity of life really is in all colors. Yep. So why couldn't we use the rainbow? Now we're just getting into a whole、oh, yeah, different discussion. Oh yeah, that was already taken. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> um, okay, so Jeremy, your organization, Good yeah. For All, yeah. which was founded by Van Jones, right. um, its goal is to make sure people of color have a place and a voice yep. in the climate movement. Yep. So can you explain why is that important? Well, uh, there are a bunch of reasons it's important. Let me talk a little bit about the um, efficacy of that, the, the moral implications of that. Uh, so. People of color are hit first and worst by climate change. We know that to be true, right? We've seen it in Katrina and in Sandy. We see it in asthma rates that, uh, you know, are affected by climate change and also produced by pollution that happens along with, you know, greenhouse gas emissions and stuff. So there's a there's an argument to be made that the people that are impacted most by any problem should have a definite role in figuring out, understanding that problem well enough to be able to solve it, right, and then leading with solutions that deliver some relief to those most affected first, right, make sure they're not at the back of the line to get some help on this stuff. So that that's one reason that it's important. And also to benefit from, you know, the new green economy is bringing in money, it's uplifting yep. the economy. That's right. So the people who have been left behind should also be a part of getting the benefits exactly. as well. Exactly. And, and getting those benefits to folks, actually helping people connect with some positive relationship with uh, environmental outcomes so it's not all just like oh the water's polluted the air's polluted the, the neighborhood's uncomfortable unlivable when there are more positive things that result from the things that we call green then we have a lot of people that are saying you know what this is working for me i, I appreciate I like this i yeah. like green i'm for green and we get a broader constituency of support to continue to make progress on the, the issues that we need to make progress on mm -hmm. right so it's only when that happens as long as we define you know, green as just you know out there in the environment polar bears and rainforests right. it's really hard to uh to have that resonate with folks who aren't thinking about polar bears and rainforests, right? So it's really Going back important. to what you yeah. said, it's, right. it's about us. Yeah. yeah. All of us. They're That's thinking right. about their children, their families. You yeah. know, like you mentioned, asthma, lead poisoning, mm -hmm. radon, um, all of these things that are in communities. People who live there don't feel like they have time yeah. or the energy to focus on these things yeah. when they're living paycheck to paycheck, if they're exactly. lucky. Exactly. And so the second point to that question for me is that if we want the whole the world to be sustainable, the one the, the one percent of wealthy is is hardly going to scratch at the surface of that. So we need all hands on deck. We need a broad coalition, as you mm -hmm. mentioned, of all people to be involved in restoring what we've what we've um, damaged so far and in creating a, a new world, basically. So um, Ava, Youth Build focuses on giving low income young people who have quote, fallen off the edge of society, uh, an opportunity to transform their lives. What impact does that have on, you know, a regional, um, national, global level? Well, we have youth build students who, after they graduate from the program, say, if it weren't for youth build, I would be dead or in jail. Wow. So the immediate impact on the economy, we've had studies done that show there's a return of, on investment, you know, which is really not the way that I like to look at a life, you know, as a return on investment in society. Unfortunately, mm -hmm. politicians love to hear that for every, you know, $20,000 that we spend to uh, give a young person an opportunity through Youth Build, anywhere from 600000 to a million dollars is returned into society from avoided costs of what would happen if that person was not able to find a way back into society. Right. Um, 
what I like to think of it as is that there's this untapped wealth mm. of intelligence and creativity yeah, right. and love yeah. and, and humanity that really is just being suppressed by poverty, by mental, mental health issues, yeah. substance abuse, you know, lack of jobs, lack of leadership. Yeah. And so when you give a young person an opportunity and they, you know, emerge feeling completely renewed and completely more, you know, confident in themselves and wanting to give back to the community and wanting to give back because they were given the opportunity. What you what you see is a whole new generation of leaders mm-hmm. who then go out and, and try to uplift others and Absolutely and and that. the environment and and every and everything in it. So it's really a major impact. It's one that's really not even um, measurable. Right, because I'm just thinking, you know, talent, talent is ubiquitous. Everyone has talent. Yes. That's right. But opportunity isn't. That's right. That's, exactly. that's what both your organizations are trying to do. That's right. Um, so there is clearly a gap, a divide between how things should be and how they are. And when it comes to sustainability, still by and large, it is kind of a wish list item. It would be so great if we had that. Um, it's an afterthought. How do we make it into something that is at the core of decision-making, a must-have item? Well, I thought that was an interesting question because when I thought of being approached by someone who's going to tell me that I should do something, I'd probably meet that with a little bit of resistance because it's kind of a let, uh, mm-hmm. put down, mm-hmm. you should, you know, we are here this way, you mm-hmm. should turn off the lights. Right. But when someone comes to me and says, we must do this, or we won't be able to survive together mm-hmm. on earth, and here's why. Now you're asking me to, in, you're inviting me to join you, mm-hmm. which is so much more powerful mm-hmm. than just shaking your finger and saying, you know, these are all of the bad things that people are doing and we need to stop this from happening. Yeah. We need to present solutions that people can get behind that benefit everybody. Yeah. <laughs> totally agree. The basics of sustainability, the idea that we're working for outcomes that are good for the environment, that are good for the economy, that are good for social equity, right, all together, like those aren't things that people tend to disagree with very strongly, right? So it comes down to the framing. It's like what what is the word sustainability or green bringing forward in somebody else's mind? Is it bringing forward something that is expensive, a luxury, you know, that's a little bit bougie, that maybe, you know, <laughs> I'll do that later when I have the money after yeah. I deal with these problems? Or is it being presented as a solution to the problems people have right now, mm-hmm. right? Or the opportunities and the dreams they have right now? And I think if we just connect with people where they are, we'll find that there's not that much disagreement about the substance of what we're trying to do. Mm-hmm. So. Author Chimamanda Adichie, she speaks about the danger of a single story. Mm-hmm. And meaning, you know, if we only hear from one group, one perspective, mm-hmm. we really put ourselves at risk of critical misunderstanding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Do you feel the sustainability movement, our movement, um, is at risk of a single story? It has happened right here in California, I read about, yes, I read. <laughs> in Van's book, yeah. as a matter of fact. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Was it Proposition 86, I want to say? Um, putting a, a cap on carbon emissions in mm-hmm. California. Something you would think would pass, especially here right. in California, right. easily. It did not pass because the oil and, co- and coal companies rallied together to do these campaigns targeted at low-income communities of color mm-hmm. that told them that if this passes, 
you're gonna, our gas prices are going to go up. Your heating bill is going to go through the roof. Right. You can't afford this. Right. Which were, was entirely untrue. But with, with that said, you know, it's all about marketing. It's all about what you see, what you believe, and mm -hmm. getting the truth out there. And having that broader coalition um, is, is what we need. It's, it's, it's not going to happen with one person's story. Right. So how do you think we can be more inclusive? How do we get people to, how do we diversify this story? Oh, I think you just go and um, ask people how they're doing, what they're working on, what they care about, and you'll find green stuff in there. I mean, I just, it's so unusual that you would, you know, talk to anybody about either the problems that they're facing or the dreams that they have and not see an opportunity for at least what our organization thinks of as green, mm -hmm. you know, moving forward together. So again, a lot of it is just about listening really well, about meeting people where they are, you know, connecting with them and, and being very open to the ways that people are thinking about, you know, these issues and describing, describing these issues. Again, we have polling data which shows that people of color in this country are actually more concerned about climate change than a lot of their white counterparts, right? And that people of modest means are more likely to be taking individual action in their lives to do something about climate than affluent people. That doesn't jive with the conception that we have of an environmentalist as being right. sort of affluent and white. That's right. because there's been a story around environmentalism exactly. and what it is and who it's for that is disconnected from the hopes and dreams and struggles of a vast swath of the country. So at least you know, our organizations, I think, are trying to just help people bring their own dreams forward, bring solutions to the problems that they have forward, and you know, be part of this big green you know, family with all these different stories in it. What, what would you say is your definition of green? That's really hard. I mean, I don't know that I have a single definition, and I don't know that we should. You know, we have some values um, that we, we hold very dear in, in our organization and in the work that we do. And we have values that, you know, around self-determination, around health, around not harming, right, around equal opportunity and equal access. And I think that, you know, within that, there's a there are a number of different ways that people can talk about and think about green. You know, for some people, it's like, the green is about the job and the money for me, you know, and I'd much rather be doing something for my community, I need to get paid, and I'd rather be doing something for my community that is beneficial than something that's not. So that's why I'm interested in this particular path. For somebody else, for a pastor of a small church with high energy bills, you know, green may be about trying to save money uh, and reduce, you know, or it may be about better walking the talk, you know, mm -hmm. making those connections between uh, the gospel that is coming from the pulpit and environmental stewardship. Those connections are there, then how is that reflected in the building operations, right? Yeah. yeah, making it real and realizing it. So I think there are a lot of different definitions for green um, that people will come with, and I'm not sure it's something that we need to argue about that much or wrestle agree. over, right? Let's stop arguing. <laughs> um, I have so, no argument. Yeah. So both your organizations um, really focus on equal opportunity. Yeah. And USGBC has one of its guiding principles is to foster social equity. And we've written um, it is to quote continue to respect all communities and cultures and aspire to be a fully inclusive movement that embraces that embraces opportunity which broaden and expand our reach through partnerships and initiatives. So I think those are powerful words because change doesn't happen in a silo. Right. Um, so how are we working together already and how do we do better? Well, in that statement it was mentioned that it's through partnerships that they're doing this, but I also, and in, in, to answer the, the question before that, 
is I do believe that USGBC needs to diversify its own organization from within, um, in addition to working with partners uh, and allies in building this broader coalition. Um, and USGBC is not alone. You know, right. the U.S. government, every organization should reflect the people that it serves. Mm -hmm. um, you know, the, the injustice of not being represented by your leaders is, is a complete insult. Yeah. As a Native American, you know, we have never been uh, compensated for the loss of land um, that basically this entire country has built its wealth off of. You know, African Americans have never been com compensated for the free labor, you know, that, um, that slavery helped to build this country. Yeah. Um, and so to not be represented, it just festers bad feelings which is not conducive to what we need right now, which is unity, you know, against a common problem that, mm -hmm. you know, climate change doesn't see color, doesn't see race. It is harder for people who don't have, you know, as in Katrina, mm -hmm. the, a car or the means to escape disaster. Right. Definitely more right. people more vulnerable to it. But all that means is that we need to focus even more on equal protection. Mm. But to get there, we have to go through that tough space of owning up to what we've done in the past. Being honest. Being honest, exactly. What would you say is the lesson that's taken you the longest to uh, there are problems probably still working on it, which are, you know, one that is, that's a good, I'm going to have to think about that for just a little bit. The lesson that's taken me the longest to, to learn, learn over the course of my career. Yeah. Um, I know what mine want? is. Yeah, go ahead. Cause I can't. It's forgiveness. Wow. You know, yeah. really, I, I was raised in a native community. I was taught to honor all life. I was taught that the animals and the plants were our brothers and sisters. Mm, yeah. Father's our son. The moon is our grandmother. The earth is our mother. And to then grow up and learn um, that we went from 100% of the population to 1% of the population. We were enslaved, we were killed, genocide. It hurts still right. to this day, even though I didn't personally experience it. So even though what I just said, I, I understand that we have to get over, we have to learn to forgive one another so that we can work mm -hmm. together. Um, because when you work with people who are not like you, it takes a, a lot to learn how to communicate, how to work with, with, with people that you're not used to, regardless of you know, what that, that difference is. Right, and forgiveness is not saying, hey, I'm totally fine with what you did. Hey, it's right. all right, let's That's just right. forget about it's, it. It's, right. it's not being, that yeah, easy. It's just saying, you know, I accept what happened, I can't change the past, but we're going to move forward. Yeah, yeah. or you know, seeking reparations mm. yeah, right. might, might need to happen before you can get certain people on board. Mm. Yeah. Um, for Native people, honoring treaty rights and honoring sovereignty is a big thing. Right. You know, we want right. to still be seen as sovereign nations Absolutely. because we, some of us were not defeated, mm. you know. And so that's, one of, that's the toughest thing for me, right. even though I know we're going to have to get to that point. Yeah. Mm. We're going to have to do it. Yeah. I think one of the hardest lessons for me to learn, and I'm still working on it, is, um, is figuring out sort of how to uh, recognize leadership in all of its different forms. 
I'm just constantly challenged um, when I to to notice the various ways in which people lead, mm -hmm. and then to create space for that. It's it, not always a person on the stage. No, it's it's in fact it's rarely a person <laughs> on the stage, right? Okay. And and I think one of the things that's important that I'm still trying to do is to listen with, with all my faculties to the way that people not just talk, but move through the world, right? Express their intention in various ways and to recognize when those people can become a, a beacon or a catalyst, right? That move other people. That's what leadership is, right? And there's lots of different ways to do that. And as an organization, that is wanting to unleash the genius that is in uh, communities across the United States, especially in communities of color and low-income communities, and wants to figure out you know, how to unleash these leaders and to create space for people to lead in very different ways, in ways that we don't understand yet, on issues that we haven't even come to terms with yet. That's a, that's a tricky thing, and it's yeah. sort of, uh, you know, I don't know if we'll, I'll ever be done learning that lesson. It's a constant, process of discovery. But I think it's really, really important because we, the leadership models that we have now have not served, I think, the values that at least our organizations represent. I mean, we're not done, we're not winning even, you know, like sometimes it feels like we're, you know, one step forward, two back. Uh, so I think we need to, to rely on all these different ways of, of leading and making change and learn to recognize them. That's and in, in Youth Build, we do teach that Making yourself a productive member of society, you know, being a good parent, yep. that is being a leader. Mm -hmm. Right. You know, so the more we can recognize these different ways of being, not everybody is a public speaker, not everybody wants right. to be on not that stage. Not everyone wants right. to be on that stage. That's right. Um, That's right. Or so, on video. How about artists? <laughs> you know, a picture tells a thousand words. Why can't I be a leader right. and not be in front of people? Right. We have to find ways for everybody to join in. Yeah. And it's, and it's based on what their unique talents are. Yeah. You know, everybody has different talents and they're yeah. good at different things. Yeah. And when you allow people to lead in the way that, they're, that they have their natural abilities, they're going to be able to do it so much better than Absolutely. if they're forced into a yeah. way of leadership that, that doesn't resonate with, right. with their, their being. Right. So right now we have um, the job market where young people, especially, are looking to do meaningful work. Yeah. They're trying to find you know, their calling and their dream job. What advice would, do you have to all of them? I say, do not let insecurity and fear block those, those natural abilities that you have. Find them, and whatever they are, even if it's something that might seem not green, I bet you can turn it into something yeah. green and for for climate change, I mean, and that's what makes this term green so confusing is because it is so broad. Right. But that's the importance of it being so broad. I can go into a printing company and, 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 and contribute to, uh, you know, to, to solving climate change. Mm -hmm. I can it's a own a bicycle word, right? shop. It's, it's mm -hmm. yeah, it's, yeah, it's so many different ways. I, if I enjoy gardening, I can do that. You know, there, there's, there's lots of different things. It's not just one or two ways. Yeah. You didn't tell me what advice you have for the young people. For young people yeah. seeking jobs? Oh, man. Um, 
it's been easier than it is right now, right. for sure. Uh, it's not that easy, but I, I agree with Eva that you know, staying close to your passions, right? That's that's what's going to carry you the furthest. You know, you get get tired on this run and this slog, and whether you're picking up new skills or you know, banging away in a job that's not quite where you want to be, but you're working your way up. You know, it takes a lot of energy, and I think at the end uh, of the day, you got to rely on that on that passion and something that's a little bit, um, you know, that speaks to you. Deeply, you know, and if money is what speaks to you deeply, then go for it, you know. But I think a lot of people are also motivated by other types of things. And people just, think it's money, but then some people get it and they realize, wait, yeah. that really wasn't what it was about. That's right. So knowing yourself well and trying to understand, you know, what makes you happy and, and you know, who you want to be in right. the world. I think, you know, who you want to be is more important than what you want to be, right? And, and when you figure out who you want to be, you can find opportunities to be that person in a variety of different fields, you know? And some of it, for many people, are going to be limited. There's, a, there's limited opportunities, and there are people that are banging through those barriers every day. Right. And other people, um, you know, the barriers are too strong, and they don't have the strength. they got other priorities. They're kicking down doors for their daughter or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that just staying close to the stuff that really motivates you, inspires you that you feel deeply is, is one of the best uh, you know, chances that you'll have to actually end up with a, a job or a career that, that feels good right. in the long term. And it doesn't happen immediately. No, no, no. no. The that job that you're working today, don't think of it as the job you'll be working for the rest of your, your life. life. Yeah. Set your sights on the next stepping stone. Yeah. You might have a lot, many, many stepping stones to go, but if you can plot that, and if you can go out and network and find people that can help you get to the next stone, you're more likely and apt to do it than if you think that you have to do it all alone or that you're just stuck on this rock. Right. What would you say is the best advice you've received? Uh, I know these are really easy questions. Yeah, <laughs> really easy. The best. The best. Um, I don't know if I can answer that one. I've received so much good advice. Let me try to think of one example. Of the, do you have one? Well. My most recent one is don't wait. Um, a friend of mine gave me a notebook um, because we're celebrating our 10-year anniversary of the Green Initiative at Youthville nice. USA. Congratulations. Thank you. And the cover just says don't wait on it. And you know, inside she wrote a note you know, saying something about you know, you're setting yourself up to, um, to reach all of your dreams and you know, just a really nice message. And, but I started to think about don't wait and I went home and, and I found the book. Dr. Martin Luther King, why we can't wait. Right. Mm -hmm. And so that was advice to me on, you know, it's, it's not time to um, dilly-dally. Right. You know, it's time to get to work and, um, and to find a way to, to, to do that sustainably is also difficult, but it's somehow you have to find a way to enjoy what you do so that you don't burn out. <laughs> right. And that's so powerful yeah. to me, too, because I feel like we're all kind of waiting on someone or something mm -hmm. to yeah. make us act. Yeah. And what that is saying is, no, you don't need to. Don't wait. Don't wait. Yeah. Right. Right. Good. Just start. Just mm -hmm. do it. And then things will come. Right. Yeah. I think um, I mean, one piece of advice that I got that sort of changed the course of my 
trajectory, mm-hmm. which was which is nice, and I'm happy with where I've ended up. Is you know when I was younger, uh, I was more of an out front leader on environmental issues, and I had somebody that that talked to me and sort of gave me the advice, helped helped me understand the difference between being a leader and at that time being an organizer, you know, or facilitator of other people's leadership, and the the difference in impact that you can have. And, and that was important to me. I was leading because I wanted to have an impact and create change in the world. And I think the advice that this person gave me was, you know, there's, if you really want to maximize your impact, think about how to cultivate or support other leaders. And I've really kind of run with that throughout my career, despite the position I'm in right now, which is a you know, technical leadership position in the organization. I've, I've, this is the first time I've done that. I've usually tried to figure out how to come in and support other leaders who I believe in and whose values uh, reflect my own or align with mine, and to figure out ways how to, you know, to multiply that stuff. And that's been really satisfying for me. You know, and it was a nice. Uh, I'm really glad that the person did that. That's great advice. Yeah. I, and it's great that you not only heard it but you received it. Yeah. Because yeah. that's yeah. that's the difference. We know a lot of stuff, sure. but what do we actually like? Put into practice. Very right. true. Okay, so we kind of touched on this earlier, but we live in a world that always defines us by what we do. It's the first question you're asked, what do you do? What do you do? Um, <laughs> Actually, the first question I'm usually asked is, what are you? <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, 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 that'll happen. No, no. I don't get that. I don't get no, that. I, I, I get that. Are you? Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. But, but I think that the real, there should be a focus on the why. So, why do you do what you do? Personally, why, you're asking me why I do yeah. the work that I do. Yeah. I, you know, I'm very interested in the end of human suffering. You know, and I'm just kind of doing my best to make that a reality. And for me, it's about like my own path to the end of my own suffering it has to do with like trying to help other people, you know, shed theirs. And so, I mean, that's very esoteric in some ways and a lot of different ways I could have gone about pursuing that. But you know, my own interest and in, you know, circumstance and other things lined up to make this what I'm doing on, on that charge. But that's how I, you know, that's how I think about it. Hmm. Maybe you should have been a doctor. Maybe, <laughs> right? Or an anesthesi- yeah, anesthetic. right, exactly, <laughs> right, no. right. I'm kidding. But um, um, I was very much inspired by my father and by my Wampanoag community. Um, as I mentioned earlier, I grew up listening to people um, basically preach and tell me it is a sacred duty for us to protect the earth, and in doing so, ourselves as well. You know, that was the lesson. There's no separation. We are all connected. And it was drilled into me, you know, seven generations to come. We have to think of this. And, you know, my father, I love him. So, he, you know, he was an environmental activist, and he is a, a Wampanoag chief. And so I watched him as in lots of leadership roles. Well, I learned quickly from that that I didn't want to be the, the right, chief or right. the president right, right. <laughs> or really the person on camera. He was right. always in the newspapers, you right. know, for the different things that he was doing. Yeah. But it did, come, um, I guess, propel me into this field of, 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 of work, I can say. Okay, so finish these sentences for me. Oh. <laughs> I believe... That's it. Yeah. I believe. I believe. <laughs> I, I, uh, I believe change is possible. How's that for an ending? That's great. All right. I believe in the power of love. Mm. Sustainability is uh, a difficult to define term. <laughs> is that okay? Okay, that's great. 
uh, sustainability is the end to all suffering. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Not just for people, like but for all of life. And to have a more equitable world, we must. Well, we must face the inequality. Yeah. We have to be honest about, about it. We have to start to be more comfortable to talk about it. And we also have to allow other people to flounder a little bit so that they can get over you know, their biases and things. It's going to come out if it's inside of them. The only way to change that is to let it come out. Maybe they need to do it together over here. You know, yeah. I don't know. But for us to be healed from you know, the disasters that we've experienced as various you know, peoples and, um, and for the earth to heal from all of the destruction that we've caused, we have to go to that wound and diagnose it and then figure out how, how do we heal it and apply the right solves and the right you know, tinctures and, or whatever it may be. But until you really examine the, the problem and can talk about it, yep. people are just going to keep ignoring it because it's, it's a difficult conversation to have. It's, it's painful for a lot of people. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, we have to understand how inequality affects us all. Like, you know, what he was saying, like, we got to get in there and understand the nature of the problem and all its ramifications. And then we have to make a serious commitment to actually doing something about it. You know, a serious commitment, not yeah. just, oh, this is bad, right. done. And I was mm -hmm. like, that's okay. That's, right. you know, problem identification. Now we're moving on to solutions, yeah. like a real commitment to solve it. Commit it, commit to it, and then... Commitment in action. In action. Not just, yes. I'm sorry. Yeah. This is the way it is. This is what happened. Get over it. That's not going to work. Well, thank you. This was a, such a wonderful conversation. I really appreciate you taking the time. We hope you enjoyed this episode of Changemakers at USGBC. We created this show to go beyond the buildings and spotlight ordinary individuals making an extraordinary difference. Now, we want to hear from you. What was your favorite part of today's episode? We'd love to know what you think. Thanks for listening.